the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hey, 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 welcome to Relevant Recovery Radio with your hosts, Heather and Donnie. I'm not Heather. I am. Hi. We're really glad you're listening to the show today. We are brought to you by Matthew's Hope. We are broadcasting on Sundays, 1 p.m. KPRC 950 in the H. That's Houston. Uh, Later in the day, we are pushed up to all podcast platforms. We're really grateful you listen. Hey, whatever podcast platform you listen on, why don't you give us a little likey-like there? Maybe a a follow. follow. Yeah. Uh, we also don't want you to forget that we are on the Fasha book and actively now on the Insta. Yeah, you're on there a lot now. <laughs> it's killing me. I'm I'm dying slowly. Uh huh. Yeah. So what are we here for? We are here because this show, Relevant Recovery, is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. We're a nonprofit, 501c3, aimed at providing education and wellness services to the community of Houston, specifically around substance use disorder and chemical dependency. Mm. Uh, We used to have a detox. Temporarily, we've closed down. We're actively looking for a new location for our detox program. Um, But in the meantime, we have an outpatient clinic full of services. We do chemical dependency counseling, uh, therapy. We do microcurrent neurofeedback, IASIS, which is super helpful. We do peer support, recovery coaching. We have Christian counseling. We have forest therapy. So if you or a loved one would like any information about our outpatient services, you can give us a call at 844-AND-HOPE. That's 844-263-4673. Or you can visit either one of our websites, matthewshope.org or mhdrp.org. Hey, Trey. (laughs) So anyways, um, what a wonderful week we've had. It's been crazy awesome. Like, and I mean that. So, you know, we talked last week about, hey, we got these people to come stay with us. and From South Africa. My immediate reaction was, okay, how are we going to get everything done? Because we have pretty busy lives, but God makes a way for everything. Yeah. And it has been absolutely wonderful. We've actually had some really, really cool things happen this so week. Even from night one. So they've been with us a week now. we got a few more days uh, <clears throat> yep. with Cecil, them. Cecil and Ashwin so from hello, South Africa. Hello to Cecil and Ashwin. Hopefully that they'll listen to the podcast and be like, oh, cool. They have way better things to do. <laughs> Probably. Way better. Uh, but point is, is we have been able to spend some really quality time with them in the evenings after all of our things are done. And they are genuine, raw, vulnerable men of God. And it's been an absolute joy having, yeah. getting to spend time with them, having them in our home and hosting them. And, uh, and we've had two different experiences, I think two different very very real experiences where god has been present and, and we're not talking them. crazy voodoo stuff here for those of you who are non-believers it's okay that you're a non-believer but what i'm saying is there's some things that happened this week that we have no explanation for well, those men are just um definitely spirit-filled and connected to god and living their life accordingly mm-hmm. and they each bring different gifts and talents to the table and it's just been amazing being around them yeah i feel really lucky has. that we've been able to host them <clears throat> and where we were concerned, you know, when we first found out, we okay, you know, they're staying in the house, but you need to you feed them and all this stuff. I was like, okay, how are we going to get this done? And and when we think about the ability or the 
opportunity to Mm self-sacrifice. We immediately go into gratitude. And then God just makes away the entire week. Yeah. Like everything has worked out. Perfectly. uh, And they just couldn't be better guests. And I've learned so much from this. And I'm going to be sorry to see him go. I've really, truly, I want you to think about this. We have two people that we have never met in our lives in our house. Yeah. Gave them the house key. (laughs) And I have never, I, I couldn't feel more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm completely comfortable with them. And so it's really cool. God works cool opportunities out like that. Maybe one day we'll get to go to South Africa and, and see where they're from. And what I don't them. want to because it's a really long <laughs> flight. I don't know if I could sit still that long. Um, you could like, you know, maybe take a Xanax and sleep. Yeah? yeah. What about 11 teen of them? <laughs> no, don't take 11 teen Xanax. But I can sleep on any flight, so it doesn't bother me. And so they're in town for uh, a and conference. So you and I have a busy weekend. We're yes. going to be there this evening until I think... Seven or eight? Until nine. Till, oh, till nine. And then uh, <laughs> So tomorrow. the reason the guests are, flew in from South Africa, we have other guests that flew in uh, from Germany and other places because our church, the Met, is putting on a, a discipleship conference called Be One, Make One. And so that's what all these guys are flying in for, is to be part of this conference that you and I are a part of this weekend. And so it'll be all Friday evening and yeah. all day Saturday. So I'm so excited. We have a full weekend. We're going to be really tired, but um, it's going to be worth it. And isn't it crazy how, and, and I believe this is true, that the <clears throat> our sponsorship in our 12-step fellowship over the years has really prepared us mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. this in this spiritual walk, in this Christian walk to disciple others, it's, in my opinion, it's kind of no different than when I sponsor someone. Yeah, it's really no different. I was blown. When I went through the conference last year and then I went through Cadre, I was blown away at how almost carbon copy it is with the way that we operate in a 12-step fellowship. It's weird. Do you think like Jesus was in a 12-step fellowship? (laughs) Because he had to get it from them, right? Right, right. I think that the 12-step fellowship basically stole the same principles of well, borrowed used well, whatever semantics <laughs> um from uh what religion really at the core of it has to offer yeah and and the things that have gone on this week like it really doesn't matter what you believe it, it really doesn't if you're a believer a non-believer you don't know what you are the cool thing about what you and i have witnessed this week is that we've witnessed a power beyond ourselves we have witnessed something from the spiritual realm Mm -hmm. that I don't know. I I, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's not miraculous, but it's something that says, Hey, there's something out there. It's, it's clear Mm -hmm. that there is a realm outside of the physical realm to me. But that's new to you. It's been, um, I've been very aware of and in tune with that for a long time, but I love watching your excitement like a child around that. It's really exciting. Well, and, and it's, you do have a not. I'm not saying immature. I'm saying you have a childlike faith where you get excited at these supernatural, yeah. um, emotional things, and uh, and I love seeing that in you because you didn't have that six years ago. No, I questioned everything. I questioned everything, and it wasn't until I you drove me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, and it's going to get into our topic today, but it wasn't until I uncomfortably. And unbelievingly walked forward and I started to get some experience. But don't go anywhere. We're going to come right back and we're going to talk about step two today on Relevant Recovery Radio.
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio with your host Heather and Donnie, and I'm not Heather. But I am. Hi, that's me. Um, so today we want to talk about, we want to go into step two. We, we decided that this year, the first recording of the month, that we would do a step since we have 12 steps, 12 months. thought that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. I think there's supposed to be 13 months. Have you seen that calendar? I have seen, well, I've seen the real because the real now calendar. I'm caught on Insta. Not the one we live by today. There's supposed to be 13 months. But anyways, that's fine. And I I'm like fully 12. like... I'm going to need help soon. I'm actually going to need, I'm going to have to make, I have to make some real changes. Anyways, Instagram has got me again and I've been off social media for years and I'm, you were doing so good. I'm upset. Um, but anyways, upset. let's not talk about what you've done to me right now. <laughs> we have bigger we have fish bi- to fry. We have bigger things to talk about. Step two. What's the big idea here? Okay. So first of all, emphasis on quick, give me a quick overview of step one and why we need step two and go. Uh, step one helps me qualify myself as powerless based on allergy and insanity and then in addition to that it helps me admit my unmanageability that I need some sort of help to manage my own life and so I really think that the second half of step one about unmanageability really folds into understanding step two okay. um, because if I am in delusion that I manage my life well um, yeah. then I have in my own delusion no need for step two so there's no need to go on uh right and so when we look at step two um the language is but but hmm. wait say that again the reason i need step two what did i find out in step one let's really emphasize that for a second so when we uncovered things besides drugs and alcohol when we really just look at unman yes i suck at managing drugs and alcohol um because i'm powerless but also this idea of unmanageability that I really need some sort of supernatural help in my life to be a better mother, to be a better wife, to have less anxiety or mm-hmm. depression or worry or to manage my finances better. Any facet of your life, your housework. Last last week you posted some videos about my clip of the housework issue and mm-hmm. all these women were commenting, you know. And it's like, um, yes, you could try to live your whole life in self-reliance and work it out yourself, but you're missing the big permanent supernatural possibility with uh, living a self, not a self-directed life, but a spiritually directed life Okay, to manage your life for you. Okay. If you don't don't think you suck at managing other facets of your life, there's no need to move on to step two. You're perfect everywhere else. Cool. Okay. I have an addiction Mm -hmm. and I find out because of the two factors, the allergy and the insanity of step one and the unmanageability that there's really nothing I can do alone. There's no power in me, right? Therefore, I need a power. So what is step two? So step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And so I really like to look at the language they chose to use. Came to believe implies a future later timeline. Yeah. And then they say power greater than yourself. Let's call it God. Uh, restores you to sanity. And again, you got to go back to step one to see if you understand what we mean by the word insanity. Right. It's that I can't manage that decision to not take the first drink. I have an insanity of the mind that gives me permission to try the game again and drink again. And for those of you who have other struggles, for those of you who have other addictions, that's right. So how many times have you said, I'm not going to touch the cheesecake anymore. And then a month later, you still do it again. Why? It's right. insane. Wake up, Susan. Wake <laughs> up. Right. And and it's no matter what it is, it I know. say that I'm not going to spend money that I don't need to spend anymore and, and I spend it. it I say that I'm not going to watch porn and I watch it. I say that I'm going to show up for work different or I'm going to clean my house. It's, it's kind of whatever. Right. I know I need change here. And when I'm in self-reliance, I'm looking for myself 
to overcome the barrier or the struggle and and be different. But really, it's it's um, a never ending cycle. Um, I might do better for a little bit and then it's back to how it was. And so when we look at step two, step two, the big idea around step two is just a statement or a promise that later in this spiritual process, later, God is going to restore me to sanity. Right. And so when I understand what sanity is, it means I no longer have the insanity of the mind that I won't even be interested in a drink. So the language of just step two, how it's written is just one simple idea. Later in the step work, you're not even going to want to drink anymore. Okay. You're not going to be fighting the idea and that struggle. God's just going to remove it. I want to put you on the spot. I want you to tell me what are, first of all, the the biggest misconceptions you heard in the rooms or that people have about step two, uh, where people typically go with it. And then I think we should talk about what it actually looks like, what it means. Mm -hmm. And then later we'll talk about, in the end of the show, we'll talk about sort of what happens when you do this, when you follow this process, Mm -hmm. and it really begins to work. So one of the like false ideas that I hear in the rooms a lot is a couple different ideas. And I think we maybe borrowed it from treatment centers or therapy, but it's really Mm -hmm. just not found in our literature. Um, There's this idea that I'm going to have to fight for my sobriety that I'm going to have to fight to stay sober for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. and that's not found anywhere in our literature in fact it guarantees the opposite if we do some things and what it's saying is that lack of power is my dilemma I just have a lack of power I have a lack of power not a lack of willpower I have a lack of power in a lot of areas of my life and if I can figure out how to plug into or tap into that power that power manages all of these things not just drugs and alcohol but a whole lot of other things right I think another thing that happens every time step two comes up is we go into a God discussion and that's nowhere in in step two it's not about step two yeah <laughs> like elaborate on that for a second like it, it talks about lack of power it talks about the fact that based on step one mm-hmm. i am absolutely going to drink porn spend mm-hmm. eat whatever it is i'm going to do it again yeah and you're going to experience that yourself on whether or not that's true and i've experienced for myself that that's true and i think that people get hung up on this idea that when they get to step two that they're somehow supposed to figure out what like a define the higher power thing and that they somehow can't move on until they figure out what god is to them and that's nowhere in our literature in fact the opposite i love how it says it on page 46 it says you know that no one can fully define or comprehend the power which they call god But it says, much to our relief, we discovered, I don't even need to consider anyone else's conception of God. My own conception, however inadequate, is sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. And so the idea that I have to figure out what it is, not in our literature. And the reason I hate going to a 12-step meeting that is maybe the topic is step two or three, because all of a sudden I'm stuck in a room for an hour with people who are sharing about what kind of God they grew up with or what kind oh. of God they reject or what God is yeah. to them. or them. And I'm like, the book is telling us not to do this, well, people. Because here's the deal. Here's what people need to understand is that my experience and my relationship with the God that I understand has right. zero bearing on your recovery and your conception has zero bearing on mine. And the book doesn't tell us we can create it. And the book be- says we can choose a conception that makes sense to you. And beyond that, what step two is talking about is that I don't have the ability in this meat suit, this meat suit that I walk around with, I don't have the ability to control or enjoy my drinking. I don't have the choice of whether or not I'm going to drink or do a drug, right? Mm -hmm. It says I don't have the power. What step two is about is coming to believe through the process of the steps Mm -hmm. that I will gain that power outside of myself. And I think the fact that 
Not within self, outside of self. And, and I th- did I say inside self? No, I was just oh. reiterating oh. what you said. And I think that people see the word faith in step two, and they see the idea around how many things that I'll believe without question. But So anyways, what they do is they just go on this like rampage about what is God, what is my conception, my parents maybe go to private Christian school. They fall into this doctrine or theological pothole and they never move past it. Right, because I come in the rooms broken. I'm yeah. naked. I'm Can't broken. Stop drinking. I have nothing left, and suddenly I want to become a physicist <laughs> and figure out quantum realities. Yeah, yeah. And figure out the God idea, I, and it's and it hoses people. I just want to make the point that step two is just a promise that later this is going to happen. I don't right. get restored to sanity while I'm on step two. One of the most important things I think I ever heard early in my journey is. Step two, came to believe, does not have a time on it. Mm -hmm. It's different for everyone. It is different. And it's not me making myself believe. It's not me doing anything. What it is is me working the spiritual program of action, Mm -hmm. doing these steps, and it just happens. It just happens. And I will say that the faith and belief versus the insanity getting removed can be two different timelines as well that people aren't really aware of. And I'll just say that based on our literature, the literature does give us a timeline on when the insanity should be removed, where I'm not fighting the drink or the drug idea anymore. Um, But it's by step 10, and you can look up the promises on step 10 on page 84 and 85 of our literature and so that gives us a timeline that step two comes to fruition by step 10 but if i haven't worked one through 10 i should not expect that to happen for me all right so don't go anywhere when we come back we're going to have a little more discussion here on step two with the donnie and heather show i'm not heather Oh, yeah. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio with your hosts, Heather and Donnie. Hi, I'm Heather. Yes, you are. <laughs> I'm so grateful for that, too. I'm grateful for your beard. Your beard is looking on point today. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm glad that you said that on the air because people don't believe that my beard is this long for your benefit. No, you got to keep it. Yeah. Yeah. So today we're talking about step two. Yep. Um, and let's talk about, well, I'm going to get us started and I want you to do some explanation. Okay. Step two says, came to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity, right? Mm -hmm. So while I'm drinking and drugging and I can't stop, while I can't stop porn, while I can't stop shopping, while I can't stop eating, there's an insanity there. Mm -hmm. I can't stop. Right. And I've lost the power of choice. Mm -hmm. So what step two says is that I can find and become connected to a power outside of myself that will accomplish this and begin to manage it. Yeah, I think the misconception in the 12-step world is that once I get on track, I will be able to manage my life okay, you know? And that's not a 12-step idea. The 12-step idea is that I will never properly be able to manage my life on my own willpower. I will always need outside help, something supernatural, something higher power, something outside of me. Right. And so the real goal, the trajectory of the spiritual growth is to figure out how to learn how to rely on this power to manage my life for me. They right. give um, a few different analogies in our literature, but they call me an actor trying to run the whole show. Well, that's three. I, I'm, I know, but I'm just giving it as an analogy here that God or Sneak higher power next month, is supposed to be in the director's chair i'm just supposed to be the actor right Right. and so i got to figure out well where am i trying to control and run the show and where is god in that and i think it gives us also a sneak peek in this lack of power of 
it says that I can have philosophical and I can have moral and philosophical convictions galore. You can't live up to them even though you'd like to. But it doesn't help me stop drinking. Mm-hmm. Right? And so what it's saying is that I can have this high bar of morals. I can have this high philosophical bar, but the needed powers are there. I don't have the power to stop. Let me give a real life example or two. Okay. Um, as I was going through this process early on with my sponsor, I, I ignorantly thought, that I just needed God's help with drugs and alcohol. I wasn't aware of all these other facets of my life that I needed to let God manage for me in order for God to take care of the drugs and alcohol and all the other issues. To this very moment. And to this very moment of this very day, even though I'm seven and a half years sober. Yeah. And so um, she was like helping me pick apart all the things that are unmanageable in my life, which we talked about last week, right? But I talked highly about, um, like I've been married three times, which you know, maybe our listeners don't know and haven't listened. I've been married three times, so I kind of suck at being a wife. Yeah, don't take marriage <laughs> advice from us, folks. <laughs> and uh, I'm making light of it right now, but it sucked for a long time. I really wanted to be a wife. I, it, here's what I mean. In my mind, because I grew up with really great parents that are still married, they're Christian, they love each other, I knew in my mind what it, lo- what it meant to be a good wife, but I didn't know how to live that out. I was actually living life in self-reliance and just always expecting the husband to pay me the right amount of attention or the husband to respond to me in a sympathetic way. And I wasn't giving. I wasn't thinking, what are his needs? What are his needs? Well, how can I be of service to him? I was it very sounds selfish. really needy. It was very needy. Is, I'm is, so glad you're not that person. I was <laughs> an empty vortex of need oh, emotionally. Wow. And I'd so, like to send a shout out to Josh and Shannon. <laughs> my ex-husband. We're so sorry. I'm, I'm very sorry. Amends. <laughs> um, but what thoughts I'm saying and is, prayers, I and did prayers. not have the, I, in my mind, I knew what it was to be a good mother. I had moral or philosophical convictions. My mom was a good mom. I didn't have the ability to live up to being the mom I wish I could be. Mm. Let's go back to housework, right? I know what kind of house I want it to look like, but I really couldn't find the right energy or motivation to take care of the house like it should be. It felt overwhelming. It felt like it was too much. And so instead, I'd blame others if people weren't helping me or, you know, yada, yada. Um, And so really taking a look at this stuff, my sponsor helped me dissect, how can I invite God into that? Right. If I suck at being a mom, if I suck at being a wife, if I suck at taking care of my house, how can I'm gonna, I... Su- I'm going to isolate that, by the way. How can I sit down and invite God and beg his help in these areas? Because here's the real question. I can't just sit on my chair in the living room and hope God will supernaturally boop me on the head and I'm a better wife and I'm a better mom and my house is clean. But so what gave me, you that realization? Let me finish okay. this idea. Okay. So, Basically, the idea becomes, okay, well, where does God's supernatural power fit in to my footwork of action? Yeah. These have to mesh. These have to overlap. And so she said, maybe God's expecting you to move your footwork in certain ways to tap into his power so that this real magical change can happen. And so I really had to sit down in with a very specific prayer routine and prayer life of of everything I'm trying to invite God into. I'm trying to ask God to help me load the dishwasher every night before bed. Help me uh, hang up the clothes as soon as they're dry instead of leaving them in the dryer. I'm asking God to help me, you know, text my kids more often and FaceTime them more often when I think of them. I'm asking God to help me remember to praise you when you look good or you do something nice for me. To It should be happening all the time, <laughs> all the time. What I'm saying is, here's what that prayer life does. Number one, I'm inviting God into these spaces in my life, all these other facets. What that creates is later as I'm going through my day, I will end up at a fork in the road. 
a fork in the road of something I prayed about that morning. And I'll, I'll begin to get awareness of that event. Mm-hmm. Like I'll think, oh, I should compliment you like I did earlier when I thought about how nice your beard looks. Mm-hmm. Normally I would just think that and not say it. Or I'll think, um, you know, tonight when we go to bed, oh, there's dishes in the sink. I just prayed this morning that God would help me load the dishwasher. So here's what that fork creates, that, that path. That he would give me the power that to he would do give, it. Because at that moment, when I recognize the fork in the road, when I have the awareness, I can willfully choose to ignore God mm-hmm. and stay in self-reliance. Mm-hmm. Or I can take a little bit of action and, and ask God to help me and do that thing. The more that you take the action and do the thing, the more power God gives you, the more energy God gives you, the more direction and intuitive thought God gives you and you become more and more aware of what God is doing for you and how he's helping you accomplish it but really the goal is God is managing these things for me I just have a little bit of footwork where I meet God in the middle yeah I think the the hardest thing for people to overcome and I'm going to speak from my own experience I knew coming into the fellowship that I could not on my own power stop drinking and mm-hmm. drugging I knew that that was easy that was like so simple <clears throat> but it took me four and a half years into sobriety to realize, guess what? You also can't show up to work as a good employee on your own. You also cannot obviously be a good husband on your own. Mm-hmm. You can't be a good dad. You can't control your eating. You can't quit your porn addiction. You can't, and the list goes on and even, on and on. But like it took with- like that self-honesty around mm-hmm. the first step to mm-hmm. really see that so that I could see the need for God or that power outside of myself. Because that's that's the the key here is seeing a need for change. And I was in delusion for a long time about what I needed to see about myself and change, which is really where the beauty of the step work and conviction comes in. Yeah. I know for specifically watching you, you used to have horrible road rage. Horrible. And I know that because I drive in Houston, I think 90% of Houston has this sickness of road rage. And, and it's been crazy because... You will complain about drivers who drive just like you. Right. And so I've really watched you try to invite God into your driving, that the laws apply to you, that that you can be courteous on the road, even if no one else is. And There's- and what happens is that I go, okay, God, I can't, I cannot manage my driving. Mm-hmm. Right. And so help me to see that the laws apply. Help me to see that I'm going to get there when you want me to get there. Mm-hmm. It just is. Um, help me to be more courteous to other drivers, to show them the courtesy that maybe they're not showing me. Mm-hmm. And, and it took a lot of prayer. Yeah. It really did because I, in of myself, in this meat suit, I don't have the ability to you, change that. But when you're I driving, want you want to. You want to want to change it. But when <clears throat> yeah. you're driving, you end up having those forks in the road, those moments where old Donnie would react and respond to a driver a certain way. Like when me, you, Gay, and Chris were on the way home from the airport. Yeah, and, that was old Donnie. And that guy that tried was, to cut me off and I wasn't <laughs> letting him do it. And uh, I don't I don't get that. But yes, that's what I'm talking about. You can choose to willfully ignore God and do it the way you want to do I've, it. I felt a lot of feelings. After, let's talk about that for a second because we're on my road rage. So I pretty much have become a way better driver. Like, yeah, way better. There's always room for improvement, but I don't have road rage anymore. God's removed it because you and invited him in. <clears throat> we're on our way home from Vegas. We're in the car. We're on the beltway. And a car, I'm in the second inside lane. A car comes over. So I go to the inside lane. He comes over again, and I wasn't, I was, that's it. And so I didn't let him come over. He got mad. It got a little swerved at you a little little tested. But here's what happened we were all terrified. After that, I was, I felt some shame and some guilt because I had people in the car with me. Uh I felt some shame and some guilt because they saw me. (laughs) Um, And then I think I had some shame and some guilt because I wasn't driving the way 
my God would have me drive. I wasn't driving with courtesy. I wasn't driving with forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so what I want to point out about this idea is that this is a lifelong process of change. And it's really interesting because the way I look at it is, number one, I needed the awareness of the things I needed God's help with. Think of every facet of your, think of yourself as a house. And Heather, I used to be big as one. He- Heather, I'm not making that joke, <laughs> not stepping on that one. So uh, Heather is a house, right? But I have all these facets of my life, my motherhood, um, that I'm a wife, that I'm an employee, that I'm a sponsor, that I'm a friend, that I'm a Christian, that all of these things. And, and these are all doors and windows of my house. God is a gentleman. He will not force himself in. I have to figure out how to open the doors and the windows and invite God into each of these areas of my life. I love it. I love it. All right. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Heather and Donnie, Relevant Recovery Radio. Oh, yeah. Hi. Welcome back. (laughs) Relevant Recovery Radio with your hosts, Heather and Donnie. Is this the last segment? This is the last segment. This one flew by. You've really talked a lot. Sorry. But you were listening so to sorry, your favorite sorry. voice in the world. Mine? Yes. Oh, no, it's not my favorite voice. So the idea, not the idea, I think what really made step two real for me mm-hmm. is when I saw reality for what it was. For I, when I saw the truth, when I was able to see, you know, they say that me telling you the truth about whatever is easier than me seeing myself in yeah, the truth. Yeah, you can see change that needs to happen in other people way easier than you can see it in your own self. Right. And so when the scales fell off my eyes and I could see for a fact that all of this list of items that I had been trying to solve most of my life, mm-hmm. right? This had nothing to do with drugs and alcohol. This is road rage, how I behave, things that I do, right? When I looked at my past honestly... And I looked at my experience. What my experience said is, you know what, buddy? No matter how many times you've tried to fix this, you fixed it for a time. You're going to spin your wheels. But then you failed again. And you fixed it for a time. And then, and then, by the way, when I stop watching porn, I eat more. When I stop eating more, I go buy stuff. And when I stop buying stuff, I'm back to porn. And it's like this spiritual whack-a-mole over and over and mm-hmm. over and over again with these behaviors. But then when I became self-honest and I looked at it for real, and, I, and you said it earlier, when I was able to smash the delusions, the lies that I told that myself I do it well. <laughs> that I could do this. Yeah. There's really freedom in that. People think that admitting complete defeat is somehow bad or weak, but they don't realize the beauty and the weakness that this is where God's supernatural ability and power gets to come in and do for me what I could not do for myself. That is a 12-step idea. I thought for. I came in and did for you what you can't do for yourself. <laughs> don't I just take care of it? Uh, no. Uh, so, oh, um, sorry. So I think that we got to look at... Self-awareness. What about me? So here's what I want to say about step two, since this is the last segment. Step two really has two ideas. One idea is the idea when you're brand new. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea that later in the process, God's going to remove my desire to drink. Mm -hmm. That there'll be no triggers. Mm -hmm. Assuming I'm spiritually fit, I can go eat in a bar. I can go to a concert. I can do all these things, assuming you're spiritually fit. I was smoking cigars last night, and we had to move some chairs around, and I held a guy's 
neat little glass of bourbon, bourbon. for him while he moved his chair. And you know what? Didn't think about drinking it once. And so we don't accidentally relapse just because I'm around alcohol, assuming I'm spiritually fit, assuming right. I'm relying on God. And so that's why the other ideas around step two that we've been talking about this last segment that have nothing to do with drugs and alcohol, it's all this other stuff that I'm in self-reliance around, that I think I can manage it, that I'm forgetting to invite God into. Mm-hmm. Um, this goes back to my orange juice story or the ice cube story. You hate them both. You hate them both. I like your ice cube story because it really is a simplified idea of what God is and how God speaks to us. Because here's the overview. We actually did a whole episode on the ice cube and the orange juice story. You have to scroll back in our episodes and listen to it. But brief overview is I really sucked at staying in sober living. I kept relapsing or not following the rules or the curfew or the chores. And it was overwhelming. I couldn't do it. Um, But when I finally got sober this time and I really started taking a look at this stuff, um, I was really looking at doing my chore for God and doing coming home on the curfew for God. And one day I was alone at the sober house by myself and I went to go crack an ice cube tray to put ice in my cup to make a drink, regular drink, not an alcoholic drink. And an ice cube fell on the floor. I went to go kick it under the fridge. As we all do. And God spoke to me in my soul and he said, pick it up and put it in the sink like an adult. And it really froze me. I didn't audibly hear it. It was just a feeling. And I was like, okay. So it's I, like a conviction. A conviction. So I picked it up and I put it in the sink and I didn't realize it then, but that was the beginning of my integrity of and me hearing God's conviction and following through with an action. And that's what developed my deep relationship with that power. And he started giving me power to do all sorts of things I previously did not have the power to do. So it starts. It starts, it starts with, with the simplest things. And so when you are doing X, Y, or Z, and you have that little feeling of the right thing, mm-hmm. that's God. So many people it's that simple. focus on these big giant things, like I'm shooting heroin or whatever. And it's Again? like, uh, no, okay, people good. focus on the big issues. And what I'm <clears> saying is, is if I didn't, if I did not learn how to rely on God for small things like an ice cube yeah. or curfew, there's no way I was going to be tapped into him for the bigger things. I have to learn how to rely and get tractions or spiritual momentum with God on the small things that equal an easier reliance on him for the big things. So now give me some of your experience. I just did. Ice cube. Orange juice. I hate you. <laughs> Around the people that you've seen. Mm-hmm. Right, because here's what I want. I want to see if you can dig into some of your experience watching the girls you sponsor. Because here's the thing is that when you came into sobriety, mm-hmm. there was no question of a belief in God or a belief in the supernatural. You had it. Yeah, but I've sponsored lots of girls that don't. And it works what does the that same. Look like? It works the same. There's just going to be some prejudices. As a good sponsor, you really have to try to like help pr- present questions for them to ponder without giving them the answer. Or I, I don't ever go into my specific religious beliefs. I try to leave that real neutral because it's a, oh, yeah. you know 12 step yeah. stuff. Um, but I ask them about facets of their life. I dissect their life to help them see if they can have awareness around unmanageabilities. And then if they have unmanageabilities. Um, I help them figure out how to maybe write down some prayers that they could say out loud of inviting God into those spaces um, because they need to go on their own individual internal experience with this power. I can't give them mine. And so it's going to be very particular to them. And what's really cool when someone's new and they don't believe in God and they're talking to the air and all that, that's fine. That was me. But if they do these actions 
here's what's really cool. They're going to end up over the course of working the steps with me and doing these prayers. They're going to have their own experiences with this power, and it'll be undeniable for them. And so when someone's new and they don't know how to pray and they don't know what that looks like, helping them write down these sort of unmanageability prayers about housework or energy and motivation or anxiety or external and internal things that they need power in, uh, it really teaches them some core behavior, some core habits to develop that, that equals a prayer life later and they don't even know that that's happening. So I'll give, you, I'll give it to you from that side. I'll give it to you from the non-spiritual, non-believing side. When I got sober, I'd been an atheist for 20 years, and it was this, this concept of a power outside of me. Even though me, under the control of me, was a disaster. But it doesn't have to be. Even if people are delusional, think that they're great. Of, Understood. Understood. It still has the same idea. All I'm saying is I was miserable, and I still thought I could fix it. Mm-hmm. I think... When I look back, what happened is I get sober. God removed the drugs and alcohol problem, but Mm -hmm. then four and a half years in, all of my other behavior was still there. Around that idea, I want to say one quick thing. My old sponsor always taught me, Heather, your unmanageability returns full force way before the drink or the drug. So if you want to know if you're heading towards a relapse, you got to look back at these unmanageabilities. And so four and a half, five years sober, when I burnt my entire life down in sobriety, sober, no excuse, Mm -hmm. I had to begin looking at everything. I had to realize that the power outside of me, that God wasn't just there for drugs and alcohol. I had given him the easiest thing to remove Mm -hmm. because my behavior was harder, Mm -hmm. I feel like. And so it was like hitting sort of a bottom in sobriety that caused me to be willing Mm -hmm. to uncomfortably walk forward, Mm -hmm. not feeling it, not feeling okay, but to do the footwork. Right. When I redid the steps of four and a half years after burning it down, I redid the uncomfortable footwork of moving forward, whether I trusted it, believed in it, felt it, none of that mattered. You just move your feet forward. And it was the practice of all 12 steps. It was the practice of actually doing morning prayer meditation, evening meditation. It was the practice of all of the pieces that I came to believe that God could not only remove the insanity and the allergy of drugs and alcohol, but God could also manage all of these aspects of my life. The reason that these disciplines and habits are wonderful, especially for a logically minded person, is because over a course of a very short period of time of these disciplines and these actions, you're going to experience measurable progress spiritually. You're going to feel it. You're going to see it. You're going to know that it's occurring. And so one of our core 12-step principles is that we claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. No one's perfect. We're all fallible. So, still, still, very, yeah, very to this much. Very so, moment, absolutely. That's the beauty of the spiritual walk. I always have new reasons to seek God's power, absolutely. And, and so I just, I love walking this journey and watching it in you and in me and in other people because it's a beautiful thing. So, well, yeah. Listen, uh huh. We, we may go into this a little deeper next week. We Maybe. may not, but we will be back next week uh, on Relevant Recovery Radio. And don't forget. Those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. Hashtag God, though.